doesn't know it. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Trip 7 Radio. This is episode 486. Jason Lingren is with me and Wayne McCroy returns. I would list the shows, but there's so damn many. Just go use the search. And on the right side of the search on the site, put in Wayne or McCroy or both, and you'll get the entire list. Uh, what we're covering here today is basically um, the idea of a Lunar New Year, Year of the Rabbit 2023. So these are clearly Asian ideas. But let's ask a simple question. How did we become so kind of whittled down to a single spectrum view? Because that's really what it means to just have the sun to gauge time. It seems to me, and this is just my point of view, that the bare minimum would have to be a lunar calendar and a solar calendar. And if you really wanted to be saying, you'd probably take your civil calendar as a third. In other words, two calendars based on the creation, real, not make-believe. And then your civil calendar. But what we've done is we've crammed it all down into a solar calendar, which is as Fugazi as the day is long. And I will ask everybody listening, do you suppose you know what year it is in Ethiopia? Because if you don't, you should go take a look. All right, man, this is an addendum that Jason's going to cut in somewhere near the beginning of hour one. Uh, As I was doing the episode image for 486, which deals with the year of the rabbit, I just came across so many things. And I should state that I was born in the year of the rabbit by the Eastern Zodiacal Reckoning. Um, when I was in South Korea, uh, it was a big deal. They, When you meet in a group, they figure out who's who to give the most honor to the oldest, the married, all these things. But it came up the Zodiacal sign. And so I was the year of the rabbit, which I knew because Tibet, I'm also on their system, year of the rabbit. This is the most fortunate sign. And what got me going as I was doing the episode image, as I was doing some lookups, is I had not realized there was another Super Bowl ad that had like a feisty rabbit throwing people down a rabbit hole. And I just want to state, this is a perversion of the energy. Um, This is a reversal. So you'll notice on the episode image, I have like a shoe dropping, but there's another shoe that's already dropped and the energy has been converted. It's, It's growing beautiful flowers. This is where we're headed. Even in the Western reckoning, almost regardless of what kind of astrology you're practicing, these kind of top-down, Saturnian, crystallizing, limiting energies are shifting away, and they're shifting in our favor, to be frank. And so I think it's important to remember this, because as we went through this, I didn't feel like we had communicated that even the East, uh, fortune, good fortune, uh, a reprieve, all you know, luck, all these things are in our favor. And this is everywhere because all across Asia, they're aware of what the rabbit means. And so there are probably going to be all these efforts like was in the Super Bowl ad that I saw to invert the idea in your mind. And so I'm just here to tell you, don't, don't let it. We, we have the power to transform all these negative energies and we have a chance to, I don't want to say get a leg up, but do a better job and shape things in a more positive direction. And these energies will be growing for a while, though the year of the rabbit, as everyone knows, will only be for one zodiacal year. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Oh, and a very hot good morning. Well, we dodged the ice storm, but it ain't hot. Welcome back, Wayne. It's been a bit. Yeah, man. Always good to be here. Always a pleasure. I always appreciate coming on here. All right. Everyone should know Wayne has submitted the bullet points for this one. So let's just do this, Jason. In early January of 2023, the American mainstream media began placing an unprecedented level of attention on the celebration of the Chinese Lunar New Year and the astrological convention of the Year of the Rabbit. This is something that has never been a focus of public attention here in the West in years prior. I began to notice this trope showing up all over the place, and I had never remembered ever seeing the Lunar New Year so emphasized before. I began to pay attention to the signs and symbols that began to very rapidly emerge. All right, we'll probably get into how the Lunar New Year works and where it is within the year. Typically, like when I was studying Tibetan ideas, uh, I met a, a basically a double PhD in astrology and medicine, because those two things are hand in hand in that culture. And so I looked myself up and I was rabbit, year of the rabbit. And I also remember when I was in South Korea, I was identified as a rabbit and told that's like the luckiest sign you can be. But beyond that, 
Well, I'm just going to let Wayne jump in, Wayne. We're going to we're going to tell people how the new year works. What is it exactly that caught your attention here? Just the uptick in coverage? That's exactly what it was. It was this uptick in coverage in the uh, mainstream press. And this is not something I had ever remembered in years past here. So it quickly got my attention and I'm thinking well, why the sudden focus on this Chinese Lunar New Year? And they actually were referring to it as the Lunar New Year and really drawing the attention to the moon. So I began to pay attention to what was going on. And shortly after noticing these ideas cropping up in the mainstream media, well, several things had happened that really kind of brought it to the forefold of the, uh, the front of mind here. So that being the case, I recognized the symbology at play here and knew that they were leveraging this rabbit archetype and the moon archetype here, uh, the Lunar New Year cycle, and uh, they were equating it back to the Chinese philosophies. So with this, I started to pay attention to what was going on in the news. And sure enough, things started to crop up that uh, were kind of these synchro mystic tells out there in the ether. So that you can see that uh, they're, they're using this as a mode of programming here for the minds of people in the West here. So that's when I started paying attention and taking notes. It almost seems like, you know, we know how they grab our mind and manipulate, which is based on culture. Well, we're not all familiar with this. Just so everybody knows, there's a pretend Chinese rover on the moon. And that has to do with a myth, which I'm sure we'll cover. And, you know, everybody sees the man on the moon. Well, in, in Asia, you typically see the rabbit on the moon, and that's from a myth. Anyhow, go ahead, Jason. The Chinese Lunar New Year is generally celebrated, according to the Chinese lunisolar calendar, on the second new moon after the winter solstice. This year, 2023, that fell on the evening, early morning of January 21st to 22nd. The celebration usually lasts until the next full moon, which happened on February 5th this year. So this is interesting. It almost feels to me like this is a pull away somehow from the equinox, the spring equinox being the first year, first year idea, which I think in many places it probably was. I see two big divisions back in time where some people would place it around the low point of the sun. But for my liking, commonsensically and what Rome wrestled with to change, would put the new year at the spring equinox, which for me this year in Rhode Island will be uh, the 17th of March. I think Jason's a day later down where he is. But what do you think? Do you sense that? It feels like you're not quite at the new year where, where most of the world places it, and you're not quite to the equinox. Right. And I, I think this would somehow uh, maybe relate to what uh, is known in the Celtic cultures as Imbolc. Uh, maybe this is a different type of a version of Imbolc, and they're celebrating the new year on the Imbolc of this calendar. And that's what it seems like to me. Like, it's strange how all these different calendars have come about, and they're all slightly different. Uh, but largely, you would think that the new year would be celebrated as the equinox, right? The, the coming of spring. And this is how it was traditionally done in some cultures. But for some reason or another, the Chinese lunisolar calendar places the new year at this time, uh, like shortly after the winter solstice here. So that being the case, uh, I, I'm wondering why it is exactly that they're trying to steer our minds away from our traditional calendar that we use here in the West that places the new year January 1st, and also leading us back away from the idea of the equinox being the, the arrival of the new year. So this kind of lands somewhere in the middle. So that's why I'm thinking it kind of relates to that whole in-bulk idea uh, that's related by the Celts. You know, I almost wonder if this is partially about malleability, right? Because if you're marking an actual observable full moon at a particular place, if that's tied to a solar calendar to give you the month and the day of the month, that's going to change, isn't it? I think, pretty sure it will. But let's get into this further, Jason. 2023 in the Chinese zodiac is the year of the rabbit. And this year, more specifically, it is the year of the water rabbit. The year of the rabbit spans from January 22nd, 2023 to February 9th, 2024, a total of 383 days. So count the ways. Yeah, that's odd too. But does everybody notice here 
that it is clear that these calendrical systems, well, for one thing, they haven't fully broken from the moon, right? They're saying loony solar, like everybody knows the Vatican has one. They have to, to place Easter the way they want to do it. They can't do it with a solar calendar because it has to do with the full moon. But here we can see a number of things that tell you that at some sensible period of time, this was tied to the creation. We have an animal, right? So that's a tell. It's kind of like the Zodiac in a way, but what else do we have? We have an element, water. Now, when the Tibetan system that I'm kind of familiar with, I would have been a wooden rabbit. But what's interesting, if I remember correctly, there's even metal. But the point is, is that there's elemental and creation ideas still hanging on in these calendars. Wayne? Yeah, absolutely. So that is one of the important tells here, because this is the year of the water rabbit. So there's something very important going on uh, pertaining to the philosophical elemental form known as water uh, in that system. So water relates to physical ideas. The earth and the water in the old philosophical system represent physical things, whereas fire and air represent spiritual things. So if you want to take, uh, you know, take it down to that level, this rabbit idea pertaining to water, this is talking about physical changes here in our material world in which we live in. So we're, we're talking about uh, the leveraging of certain principles that are inherent in the natural order of things to achieve certain goals here by the people putting forward these ideas. So that's kind of the conclusion I've arrived at here. They're, they're utilizing this archetype, this rabbit archetype, and this archetype of water in a way in which they want to affect the minds of the people. And I think they kind of outlined exactly what their intention is in context at the outset of this lunar new year, the start of which was the evening of January 21st into the early morning of January 22nd here. And there were some things that happened in the news cycle that are very telling as to the intention here. And I'm sure we'll get there as we continue on, but it all ties back to the Chinese mythology, the myth representation, the archetype of the rabbit or the jade rabbit and ties once again, to the idea of the myth of Chang'e and Hu Yi, which we actually covered briefly in episode 150 here when we were doing the episode on the double sun. So there's a lot of interesting tie-overs here with all of that. Well, there's a few. Isn't it interesting that Chang'e, when rendered in English, is basically change? But I've got to ask a couple things. I don't know as much as I would like to about Chinese culture. What I've learned about other Asian cultures is I'm reasonably sure a rabbit is very lucky sign and jade is also a fortunate thing to put those two together so that's my first observation wayne but why in the hell are we doing 383 days here do you have any any i mean that's basically what they're calling the lunar year so that's based on uh the number of lunations or something well yeah that's based upon uh where exactly the the moon cycles are in the calendar year so apparently this is how the uh, chinese zodiac works how they base these things on the position of the moon or the uh, phase of the moon at any given time here. So you're talking their year of the rabbit lasts 383 days, whereas we consider a year 365 days on our calendar here in the West. And that varies every year for them, depending upon the phases of the moon. I just found it interesting that 383 days, if you want to count the ways with that, well, you have your 33 and in the middle of the 33 is the number eight. And we know some things about the number eight, right? And this will pertain to the usage of the rabbit symbol as we move forward here, as we'll reveal as we go through. Interesting enough, infinity, but I assume we'll get into a little bit of the myth of the rabbit here at some point. We covered this way back when, Rose may know, when they were trying to off their make-believe lunar rover, but let's keep pushing here. The rabbit, or the jade rabbit, is an important figure in Chinese mythology and relates back to the story of Chang'e and Hu Yi. The myth of Chang'e and Hu Yi represent the same archetypes as Artemis and Apollo in Greek mythology. The rabbit represents the trickster archetype in 2023, as will be shown as we proceed. Oh, that's interesting. So you're going to pull it around to a more Apollo Western idea, maybe here with the trickster. But what I what I recall when I did the coverage, when they were claiming they'd done a successful moonshot uh, and telling the same lie to the world that uh, NASA has told for so long, 
there in the myth, there's the idea of a mortality or mortality pills. Isn't it interesting to get the idea of immortality associated with the moon? Isn't it interesting that from the get-go, some people see a rabbit instead of the man on the moon, the face? Uh, in many Asian cultures, they see a rabbit. You can look that up and, and it gets sketched out for you so you can imagine why they're doing it. But the point I would make is we know absolutely that the moon has to do with death and rebirth and such things. Wayne? Yeah, and that's the whole point here. So they're tying the moon to this rabbit idea. And the rabbit, the rabbit is a symbol of many different things. It is considered to be a very lucky animal. And that's why, you know, you have your lucky rabbit's foot and stuff like that, especially when you go over to the Asian cultures. But there's another application of the rabbit symbol as an archetype, and that would be the trickster archetype. And just to kind of put a fine point on this, think about in Western culture here, Bugs Bunny. He is the trickster archetype. He's kind of snarky and he uses cunning to outwit his opponents, his enemies. And this is the type of archetype that's been adopted here, as we'll see as we uh, lead into the events here that have capped off this year of the rabbit uh, to show what the intention is by the people who are trying to get this this archetype embedded into the, the consciousness and the psyche of the masses here. So this is exactly how they're leveraging this type of a symbol. They're using the moon, the moon symbology. They're using the rabbit symbology as the year of the rabbit. And they've actually tied this to the calendar. So they're trying to invoke the spirit of the year in this way. So they're using the rabbit uh, symbol here, which represents the entire year, 2023, until uh, what did we say? February 9th, 2024. So they're going to try to leverage this time period with the rabbit in the form of the trickster. Uh, so that's what that tells me. So I suspect we're going to see a lot of deception here this year. And, you know, that's not really a far cry from what we could expect, right? Well, it's not lost on me that Chang Yi is actually changed in English, but let's let's just put some obvious things on the table. How many Hollywood movies do you have to see about the future before you catch on that China will be the place you want to be sometime in the future. You won't want to be here. And by the way, you can look at things like Blade Runner. When you're walking down the street, what you see, all the cultures have mishmashed. Even the languages are like pigeon of every language kind of squashed together. There's Asian characters on the street. There's a little, you know, it's, it's all been normalized. And the way that I'm viewing this and the normalization of these ideas back to Western culture is if you want to program everybody in a whole world condition, then you have to start to normalize culture. Otherwise, you're you're one and two and three in them, right? Okay, well, the Asian people, here's the programming we're going to try to put on them based on culture. And the people over in America don't have any ideas, so this is what we're doing for them. This seems like a a homogenization, you know, runs it normalization for truly a one world situation. Uh, I agree with that assessment, and I think that's probably one of the main reasons why they're they're doing this. They're drawing attention to the Chinese culture, and they're trying to put that in the forefront of people's minds. And I think there's reasons for that, and it has to do with this homogenization, as you suggested there. Uh, so that's why, in my estimation, I think they're using the archetype from the Chinese myth representation here to affect the minds of the people here in the West. It's that homogenization going on. So there's a one another movie just came to mind. It's called Looper. I think it's uh, maybe Bruce Willis. Pretty sure it's Bruce Willis. And they absolutely lay down the future intention of China. There was another one called Sky Atlas that shows you Asia rising. But why? Why China? Well, I think it's pretty simple. In 97, which we have covered, Silicon Valley gave the tech to China that it needed to be where it is now. What China did is it ran with that tech with no limits because of the form of governance that they have in place. And what they have shown the world is we can control everybody all the time with technology. That's why China will be the apex. So now when you consider why all the manufacturing was moved there and everything else, you're starting to get a better clue. But Jason, let's look into the myth behind Chang Yi or change and Hu Yi. And it has to do with a cinnamon tree and immortality. Well, we'll just get into it. The myths behind the festival of Chang Yi and Hu Yi. Long, long ago, there were 10 suns in the sky. These were in the form of three-legged birds 
residing in a mulberry tree in the Eastern Sea, traveling around the world on a carriage, driven by the mother of the sons. But one day, ten of them circled together, causing the earth to burn. People were dying, and so Hu Yi used his bow and arrows to shoot down nine of them. All of the people on the earth were saved. As a reward for his heroics, the Queen of Heaven gave Hu Yi a bottle of elixir that could make Hu Yi become an immortal. But the elixir was only effective for one person. Hu Yi asked his wife, Chang Yi, to keep it for him as he didn't want to leave her behind. One day, Hu Yi went out hunting. Feng Meng, alternately Peng Meng, one of his students, went to Hu Yi's house and tried to force Chang Yi to give him the elixir. Chang Yi had to drink the elixir since she didn't want that evil man to have it. The elixir made her become an immortal and fly higher and higher. Finally, she stopped on the moon. From then on, people began to offer lots of foods to Chang Yi on the day of the year when the moon is roundest in the autumn. Well, that's interesting. I've heard versions of why she actually supposedly drank the immortality elixir, but we cover Chang Yi. It's discussed in episode 40. That's some old school right there. But go ahead, Wayne. I'll let you grab this. Right. Well, there's there's uh, several different variations of the myth, and this is probably the most popular one given here. There's also a variation where Chang Yi became very greedy and wanted the immortality. So she she drank it against her husband's wishes. And then, you know, he he went uh, to try to catch her and was shooting arrows at her, but couldn't catch her. And she finally settled on the moon. And then he later had regretted uh, after having chased after her and stuff like that and started to offer uh, foods and stuff or, or what they call moon cakes uh, prepared for his wife in front of the moon uh, to show how much he missed her and stuff like that. And it became a tradition. Uh, so this is uh, part of the myth, and there are other representations thereof. But the bottom line is this. Chang Yi is associated with the moon, and that Chinese lander that was on the moon, they named it Chang Yi, if I'm not mistaken, or they, they named it uh, Jade Rabbit, if yep, I'm not mistaken. They did, both. Yeah, I don't remember the exacts of the moon mission, the Chinese moon mission. But once again, we see where we could draw these types of connections to the Greek myths of Apollo and Artemis. It's the same type principles at play. It's the same archetype that underlies the mythology here. So actually, it's really old school. The coverage that we did of Chang Yi is episode 38, episode 40, and episode 99, which is quite a way back. But let's keep getting into it here. Jade Rabbit Pounding the Herbs one day, three immortals that were living in heaven came to the earth. They asked a fox, a monkey, and a rabbit to find some food for them. The fox and the monkey both found something for the three immortals, while the rabbit got nothing. The rabbit felt very sorry for the three immortals. Finally, he jumped into the fire and said to the three immortals, Eat me, please. The three immortals were deeply moved by the rabbit. They decided to give the rabbit the title of Jade Rabbit and let him accompany Chang Yi in the Moon Palace. The Jade Rabbit assists Chang Yi in making more of the elixir of immortality by pounding out herbs in a pestle. This is the myth surrounding the rabbit on the moon, a shadow that can be seen on the face of the moon. Again, you can do an image search for rabbit on the moon. You'll see the shape and the way that they see it. You know, it's just the way the human eye makes things, but this happens to relate to a prominent. It's like maybe the version of how we think about Hercules or other supposed Greek myths. This is the Asian version of it. But you can go read the myth. There's literally versions of it. There's a cinnamon tree involved in it. Wayne? Yeah, there are different versions of these myths. So I tried to find like the most popular versions. And in some of the versions, the, the rabbit is actually referred to as a white rabbit. So the white rabbit becomes the jade rabbit, the jade rabbit being uh, kind of a, a Chinese imperial title, uh, like the jade emperor and this kind of thing. So this was uh, because he was assigned to the moon palace to live there with Chang Yi. So he was given the title Jade Rabbit. So this has become an important symbol across the Eastern cultures there, especially in the Chinese traditions. So we have this moon rabbit, as it's associated, the Jade Rabbit. And if you do look at the face of the moon, 
you could see where the, the outline is kind of there. It does kind of look like a rabbit sitting there with like a, I don't know, a, a cup or a mortar and pestle or something like that. Uh, if you do the image search, you can see for yourself. So I guess this is one of the myths that the Chinese culture came up with to try to explain a portion of the moon in that way, this shape that you see on the moon. Now, is this pareidolia? Uh, maybe partially, but, uh, you know, these myths have very important ties back to these archetypal ideas. So there's something inherent in the myths themselves that are important here to understand. And I think uh, where it goes is, you know, the context that it's being used in for various agendas. And the context it's being used here for is to leverage not only the moon archetype and attaching the start of this year, this new cycle that they're using for programming people's minds to the lunar calendar. They're tying it back to the lunar calendar, thus the push for lunar new year, because honestly, I've never seen more references in the mainstream media and other mainstream places to the lunar new year than I have just this past January here. So I find that kind of compelling. It's even places like uh, in video games where they're, they're having special lunar new year sales and they have, uh, you know, you could get this game tag that says happy lunar new year and stuff. So this was going on too. And I'd never seen this kind of public um, homogenization. <laughs> right. And so that's the thing that really stood out in my mind. I noticed they were really pushing this narrative or this idea. So are they trying to shift their programming cycle towards this lunar new year for some reason or another? Uh, maybe tending away from like the solar cycle of things. Uh, so it's kind of a shifting up of the programming template in my view. My guess is you're looking at the homogenization of cultures because when it goes into gaming, they're aiming at that generation. And my generation is an ancillary concern because we won't be here that much longer. If I'm not mistaken, I might be, but I think Jade also has to do with longevity in some usages and good fortune. So while the programming, if they went to do programming in Asia, the insight or the subconscious would be more malleable because people know things like what I just said. We're over here. We're just being introduced to it. But the next bullet point also makes me think, and I didn't even think about this. We went into this. I should look up to see if there was ever a time in one of the Chinese cultures where the new year was at the spring equinox because the new year we're covering, the lunar new year is the prominent number one. It would be equivalent to our Christmas, most important in the year. But the second in China is the autumn festival. So what's that about? That's about the harvest, always about the harvest. Anyhow, Jason. The mid-autumn festival is the second most important festival for Chinese people after the Chinese New Year Festival. This year, 2023, the mid-autumn festival falls on September 29th. So September 29th, and, and this is just my short speculation here, wouldn't it make more sense if the new year, if the two most important holidays would be the new year, which happened at spring, so we're harvesting, and the second most is it's autumn, I mean, we're planting, the second would be autumn, we're harvesting. It makes me feel like there's a bit of a disconnect. I don't know that for sure, Wayne. Yeah, it seems to me that it's, it is kind of a disconnect from the natural cycle of things. Because you would think if you're celebrating the new year, you would do that with the spring equinox when you're actually planting crops. And, you know, if you're, you're thinking in terms of the agricultural calendar, which many of these cultures were actually based most of their society around, especially in antiquity. And then you have this mid-autumn festival that uh, arrives at September 29th this year. And you can count the ways all day long with that if you'd like. So you would think that would be the logical expression here, that these two most important holidays in the Chinese culture would fall on honor around those equinoxes. You would think, but it seems like they've removed some of that. And I think this goes back to the idea of the homogenization. Once again, they're trying to homogenize Western culture with Eastern culture in many regards. So we're familiar here in Western culture with the new year starting January 1st, shortly after the winter solstice here. And they're, I think, connecting it back to these Chinese celebrations and probably some of the various other cultures of the world that do celebrate the new year come springtime. So they found like a midway point. And once again, I'll kind of invoke the idea of a pseudo imbolc celebration as the arrival of the new new year, so to say here, 
as part of this homogenization. And maybe that's how it'll go in future generations here. And as you pointed out, Crow, it is about programming the younger generations with these types of ideas, the homogenization of the cultures in them. Because let's face it, I mean, we're probably not going to be here in the grand scheme of things, according to, you know, the way they plan these things, because they do play the long game. So this is like generational programming. And I just find it interesting that this all set out this year. So they're invoking the trickster archetype of the rabbit to get this done and using the year of the rabbit to kind of inculcate these ideas, this homogenization into people's minds here across the, the various cultures. So it seems to me that's what it is. It's going towards this one world attitude. Biggest push that is going to trap us <clears throat> is the CBDC, whatever the hell they're calling it. Isn't it interesting that it's, you know, the, the whole pot genre that's been legalized. Everyone's, you know, the, the letters are echoing one or the other, but this programmable currency that's coming, like within the next year or two, the first run's going to be made. It is going to hit the younger generation and steer them in ways where they don't really have a lot of choice unless they stand up. A programmable currency will do things like you can buy this, but you can't buy that. You can't get on a plane. Matter of fact, your currency won't work more than five miles away from your house. That's what the digital currency is bringing. So everyone out there who has hollered and screamed and gnashed their teeth at me for bagging on crypto, it is the worst spiritually bereft idea that has ever happened. And while, yes, it could have been used in better ways, the truth of it is it has no existence in reality. Therefore, it is dishonest. That's all there is to it. What's going to happen here is the younger generation are going to be pushed into things to further homogenize the cultures, to normalize one with the other. With programmable currency, that becomes so much easier because you can push people in any direction you want. You can even do things like this currency expires in this many days. By the way, did you know there's a sale on this thing, that thing, or wherever they want to push you? Anyhow, let's look at an alternate telling of the Changi myth. An alternate telling of the myth goes as follows. Changi, also known as the Chang'o, can be defined as the Chinese moon goddess, who is known for her loveliness and the loveliness subsequently celebrated in novels and poems. It is said that this Chinese moon goddess sought the moon for refuge after her consort, called Hu Yi or the Lord Archer, made the discovery that Chang Yi had stolen the immortality drug which had been gifted to him by the gods. While Hu Yi was in pursuit of Chang Yi and the immortality drug, he was impeded by the hare, and the hare argued that he wouldn't let the irate husband pass the gates until Hu Yi promised reconciliation. You know, I keep coming back because when I was covering the false Chinese moonlander, the idea was that these two are up on the moon, the lady and the rabbit, uh, in the shade of a cinnamon tree. And it occurred to me, we should ask someone like James or Nyla to do a little look up on cinnamon. They probably know it off the top of their head. Is that a lunar ruled thing or something like that? I don't know. But um, one... In this telling, they make a bigger deal of the archer, the male aspect. Do you get it? The kind of, you know, you could think of it as, as that thing that gets shot, the sperm, you know, the penis, however you want to look at it. It's a more of a masculine thing. Well, it's clearly associating the feminine with the moon. And they got the immortality thing going on. There's a life and death thing going on. So all this was come to pass when things were tighter to nature. And one thing about Asian cultures, particularly places like Japan, even their food changes with the season, even the color of their clothes in many places. And I think that was pretty commonplace around a lot of Asia where they were so tightly bound up with nature. And that's a more sane way to live. What I'm trying to get at here is the same reason why I instantly knew things like crypto were a horrible idea because I knew what real currency was and I know who made it. Gold and silver were made in the creation and they are honestly gotten for a certain amount of work and then they're passed on at an honest exchange rate. You can't say that about these other things. And that is the difference between bound up in nature with the way you think about things and the way your society functions, all these things, and then going fugazi off the farm like we are now with the parallel technology 
because a one and a zero doesn't give a damn where the moon is or what season it is. Right. And they actually lifted the myth representations of these things in the Apollo program. I mean, think about it, like uh, some of the connections you just made there. Uh, Hu Yi being the archer and shooting his arrow, uh, you equated it to the male member or the sperm and the moon, the feminine. Uh, so think about what the Apollo program was. You take this large phallic shaped object, this rocket, and you're sending it to the moon. It's kind of like the arrow, the sperm, the same kind of idea. Right. Once again. And it, this crosses across cultures too, because now we're looking not only at the myth of Apollo, we're, we can uh, relate this to the myth of Hu Yi here. And now we're seeing the uh, the compensatory other side of this, the feminine aspect of this, being leveraged for the new Artemis program. Artemis, this relates to Chang Yi, which relates to this myth that we're talking about here today, the feminine aspect, the moon, and the rabbit plays a role in that as well. Because you see here, the hair was the impedance here of the archer. So he was waiting that the hair was saying that uh, the archer can't have reconciliation at some point until, uh, or he can't pass the gates until he reconciles with Chang Yi. So it's about the reconciliation between these two aspects, the masculine and the feminine. And so much of the programming, the social programming we see in society reflects this. So they've taken these old myths and the archetypes behind them and leveraged them against the minds of the culture at large and are trying to homogenize this culture and achieve this goal of reconciliation between the masculine and feminine aspects of things. And it seems to me they're going about it in the wrong way, in my estimation, but that's just my view. Yeah, I think they're going to have tools that are going to make it difficult unless people actually wake the hell up and stand and say, no, thanks, not interested in your digital currency. No, thanks, not interested in whatever freaking virus you're claiming is going around the world. Uh, not interested in killing all the chickens because we'd actually like to have food. Things like this, these are going to be the big differences. But when I see these kind of archetypes, I think I've had someone told me that in certain parts of China, the moon is considered masculine. But here we have an age-old myth associating the feminine with the moon. And I, I read an interesting breakdown some years ago about how you could consider the negative and positive duality, which has to do with gender in our world, whereas the male energy seeks to balance the equation logically. The female energy has one job, to unbalance the equation. And so I think these are important things to consider because in culture, we get all these like little memes that people latch on to, like men will say, well, who, who the heck can even possibly comprehend a woman? Or how many times have you seen, I know as much about women as I know about, you know, whatever advanced calculus, these ideas are embedded in to skew your mind away from the thing that, yeah, women are doing what women do. Men are doing what men do. That's the way it was designed, but the, it goes so much further. And here we're seeing it associated up to the moon. The reconciliation of Chang Yi and Hu Yi, or Artemis and Apollo, represents the alchemical wedding of the feminine and masculine principles, the moon and the sun. And this reconciliation is controlled by the Jade Rabbit, the mercurial component, the trickster archetype, alternately the muse. As an interesting added layer of meaning, the dynamic of Chang Yi and the Jade Rabbit can also be correlated to the archetype of Calliope, the muse in Greek myth, the elixir of immortality, the lost word, the philosopher's stone, the great work, etc., is the product of this union or reconciliation, representing the ascension of the new age. Perfect, except I'll make one correction. It's Calliope, and this is the joke Fortune and I were doing, because Fortune has a bit of an eidetic memory, and so I always throw lyrics out because I know, well, I know when he won't, but I know when he will know them. So I had told him, which we did in one episode, we opened with it, that Calliope had crashed to the ground. But if I was to ask everyone listening, what's your modern association with the old Greek personages, goddess, if you want, Calliope, do you have anything in American culture? Well, here's the shift. Here's the slip. If I'd have asked that of my dad's generation, and I knew because of places I worked, the Calliope was what was called in the old merry-go-rounds where they had the beautiful carved animals that are like worth bank now. 
but in the center, there was a thing that made the music was called a calliope. That was the pun that was getting thrown around, but I like that you threw it in here, Wayne. Yeah, I noticed the, uh, the distinction right away. I mean, this does attach to the muse idea for certain. So this is the thing. You have this trickster archetype. And, and here's my estimation of what's going on. They've taken this negative attribute of this archetype and they've applied it in that way because the trickster in and of itself is not necessarily like a negative or bad archetype. You could apply it positively or you could apply it negatively. And I think they've chosen the easier path here by applying these different archetypes in the negative fashion towards people, towards the, uh, the means of control here for people's minds. Uh, so this is something that you see going on across time and culture here by these different people who run this place. Let's put it that way. I like to call them the dark occultists who run things because they certainly do like to leverage this type of knowledge against us. So they take these old mythological archetypes and they apply them in certain ways against the minds of the people. So rather than using them in a positive sense, they take the archetype and they will leverage it in a negative sense against the people to achieve the ends that they want with it. And it doesn't necessarily benefit the people that are being leveraged against. And that's the whole point here. It's, it's for the, uh, the interests of a select few people at the topmost levels of the power structure of this world that this stuff's being done. They've hijacked the entire thing. And that's why they keep a lot of this knowledge secret. They keep it bound up in secret societies and behind closed doors, behind the veil, because they don't want the public or the profane, as they like to call us, to understand these principles and know how they're being used against them. Because this gives them a type of power over people. And this is why secrecy as a tool is so important to these people too. That is one of the basic forms of mind control that there is. If you know something that somebody else doesn't, and you apply that knowledge in a way that it benefits you, then that gives you power over that person. And that's why these people absolutely hide these types of ideas. Two things. If I'm not mistaken, there's a relatively recent Disney movie that just struck my memory. It takes place in China, I believe, I think. It's a little girl and a rabbit, and I think it has to do with the moon. Someone will probably comment about this. They would know better than I, but I think that your idea that this is being normalized, if what I just said is true, and that's pushed off by Disney, then absolutely there is no denying what we see going on here, the, the homogenization, the bringing in of other cultures. And by the way, uh, Rose wrote me a note about cinnamon, but it occurs to me it might have been Cinnamon at one point. Um, and that's also wrapped up in this. But uh, are you are you aware, Wayne or Jason, of the, the Disney flick? I think I remember. It's a cartoon, Little Girl, Little Rabbit, something to do with the moon. I'm not familiar with that one, but uh, yeah. let me just do a quick search and we'll see if we can find something on that. All because right. if, if there's a thing, like if Disney's leveraging this archetype, then you know there's something to this idea of the programming with it. I want to say it's called Taken Away or Away to the Moon. I don't know. I didn't see it. But I, as we were speaking, I got the image of a, of a movie poster in my head. And I realized that it's probably this archetype. Uh, Over the Moon. There, Rose just gave it. So apparently I was correct. Uh, the title tells me I was correct uh, because Moon is in the title from 2020, apparently. The moon. I'm not familiar with that one, but uh, yeah, definitely we'll have to check that out. That's that should tell you everything. Pretty sure there's a rabbit and a little girl and something to do with the moon. The rabbit symbol has been hijacked in this regard for use as the muse in a negative attribution by those occult powers who seek to control the Great Awakening and transmute it into the Great Reset, a form of guided evolution. The rabbit's natural archetypal attachment to the trickster is being manipulated and leveraged to transform the world mind toward this goal. I mean, it's also, it's been in our culture, it's just a little more obscure, but if anyone thinks, you'll recognize it. Hey, Neo, let's go out tonight. Follow the white rabbit. Well, what white rabbit is he following? Go ask Alice when she's 10 feet tall. There it is in music. Now let's go back to literature, down the rabbit hole. Where does all that come? That's all around the rabbit idea. I mean, what would you add, Wayne? Uh, I would add, I find it very interesting. I was just looking at uh, this movie, Over the Moon, and here's the synopsis in one sentence. 
Adventurous young Fei-Fei builds a rocket ship and flies it to the moon <laughs> to meet the mythical goddess Chang'e. So, absolutely. How, how's that for pulling a rabbit out of my hat? I've never even seen that movie. It goes to show you. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely an intention behind the use of this archetype, and it has been slowly crawling into Western culture here over the course of the past couple of years, and it really came to a culmination here this past January when this stuff was just being blatantly thrown around out there about the Lunar New Year, the Year of the Rabbit. They've been gearing this up for a while now. Let's put it that way. You don't release a movie in 2020 about Chang'e and a rabbit, and it does have a rabbit and a little girl, and it's related to this rocket. So once again, they're tying it to the space program. So we have all this symbolism just being thrown around and thrown out there as a type of predictive programming of sorts for people. So we can see that this archetype has been leveraged, and it's sad that I'm only just now recognizing it. You know what I'm saying? They, they get away with this stuff so much with their revelation of the method and stuff like that, because they're so far ahead in their thinking. So we're going back to 2023 20, years. They've been leveraging this archetype in the mainstream in a type of way, and nobody noticed it till now. So that's, that kind of tells the game that they play with it. Here's one for you. So consider this idea. So we fake went to the moon. Why isn't it Russia that fake went to the moon to show they're just as fake good as we are fake? right? That's a big event, fake going to the moon. So why is it China that fake went to the moon? Do you see the kind of homogenization? Oh, we did that. Now you're doing that. And now your mind-bending rabbits and immortality myths and all that are, are funneling back to the point where Disney, Disney is pumping it out to the younger generation. There's your beginning of the downtown scene in Blade Runner. There's your you know, later in the movie Looper, there's your cloud atlas. I could name so many where all the Americans are now going to China because America is not what America once was. My point being is why is China the one who, who goes fake to the moon next after all these years? You would actually think it would be fake Russia, fake going to the moon, wouldn't you? Because they never finished their mission. So you think maybe some point in the next millennium or so, they might finish their fake mission. I'm just saying. <laughs> but all of this, it does push the lines and blur the lines of culture. It is about this homogenization. And we've been talking about the homogenization of things for a very long time. Because this is part and parcel of the whole social movement they want. Because this is the push towards transhumanism, essentially, when it comes down to it. And they've leveraged these old archetypes in this way against the human mind and the human psyche to bring about these changes. And they've slowly programmed us with these mythological archetypes that we don't consciously recognize, but our unconscious minds recognize something there and will react to it in certain ways. And this is what they've leveraged against the public. And now we could see this is just one example of how they've leveraged one of these archetypes in a certain way. And we'll see as we get a little further through the notes, specific ways that it's been targeted into this year, the year 2023, as the year of the rabbit and how they intend to use this trickster archetype throughout the course of the year to further bend our minds into this fantasy reality that they want to keep, want to create here, uh, all with the, the digital systems and stuff in place. You know, by the time they get their programmable digital currency into your temples <laughs> because of transhumanism, I'm going to be persona non grata. I've also often wondered if there's a wordplay going on with the word rabbit. If you drop the T, could be, not sure. The intentional misuse of the rabbit symbol becomes obvious when you begin to explore the media exposure of this Lunar New Year, Year of the Rabbit push, and associate it with some key events that were used to hoodwink the public mind. You mean like having a fake rover on a moon after a fake moon mission with some fake video from a freak, you know, I could just say fake, 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 and I think you get the idea. You're absolutely right. And this is the problem. We just got done doing this, man, with Woodstock. You know how much heat I took for calling Woodstock out the first time because I found the lie, which ironically was the moon that identified the initial lie. What is it, man? When you identify a lie at a level that tells you shenanigans have gone on in this period of time, then you know everything related to it. But what Wayne's getting here, I'm all about it. So when they did this ridiculous moonshot, and for some reason, the moon changed color when they got there, uh, let's just set all that 
nonsense aside, they were all about the Chang E. And it was the change idea because I kept seeing it get written in English incorrectly. So it said change. So people were calling the lander or whatever it was, they were calling it change. But my point being is they knew damn well the year of the rabbit's coming, right? They knew they had a couple of years to go when they pulled off their little thing. Um, And so here we are, there's the culmination. And what they're doing is it's a bit like what NASA does. Once you tell a lie of that magnitude, then the basis of everything that comes from it is false. It's fugazi. It is without value. And if you fall for it, you're being programmed. But the point here is they queued it up. Now they're going back to further, you know, to insulate, to further, to protect, to blow up and inflate their lie, basically. I mean, what would you add, Wayne? I would add that, uh, keep in mind that this is the year of the water rabbit and the waters above are being kind of leveraged in a way that archetype as well. Uh, the, the waters above associated with the moon and the firmament and all of that stuff to physically inculcate an idea in the minds of the world here. And this would be linking it to the hyper-materialist viewpoint once again. Uh, so when you have this going on, you can see they've leveraged this archetype. They, they set it up with that whole moon mission, the Chinese moon mission with their lander and everything. They invoked the archetype then. And certainly they did know the year of the rabbit was coming. And apparently they've been planning some big things for this year just because of the nature of that archetype. Because you, like I said, the rabbit, one of the archetypes associated with it, and it seems that's the one that they're invoking the most here, is that trickster archetype. And they're using a negative connotation of the trickster archetype to steer the minds of the masses into this fantasy that they've created. They want people to think that, uh, you know, it's possible that we could go land a man on the moon again in 2024, as they're talking about. No, only a machine now, Wayne. You can't do a man anymore. It's just a machine. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and that's the way it'll be done uh, because, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to look at for sure. But they've leveraged these archetypes in the way because they want people to believe in this fantasy nonsense that they've handed us, that they can't back up with provable scientific method or anything like that. They just hand us these images and tell us this is legit, this is the real deal, and that's that. And they expect us to believe it outright without any further evidence or proof thereof. And most of the people eat it right up, don't they? And that's the sad part here. This is how they've leveraged archetypes against the minds of the people, that most people will just believe with, you know, out having evidence just because somebody who's an expert or the guy in the white lab coat told them so. You know, Jason, and I spent a hell of a lot of effort to try to demonstrate in some meaningful way what was done to us in the 60s. And if I really want to say that properly, what we helped do to ourselves in the 60s, because we refused to grow up, because we refused to get beyond the materiality and the feel-good and the hedonistic aspects and focus on what we were being presented with. But this is a the perfect word you use here, Wayne, hoodwink. Did they go to the moon? Did they? Why the hell did the moon change color when they got there? And we could go all the way down this thing. And of course, I called it. I believe I called it. If I remember correctly, I said this fake machine on the moon is going to break down because they can't tell this lie for very long. Uh, This is a typical bailout when they start to tell a narrative and it's not going well, then machines fail, cameras break, things explode, or some other big thing in the world happens. Oh, everybody quit looking at this. Look over here. But the main point here is in our lifetime, when you see the moon invoked by authority, it's on a foundation of lies. And even though we know that the moon is part of the creation, in my view, it's probably a reflection. In my view, almost certainly the sun is a lens. My point is we're not talking about the creation. We're talking about information systems with an agenda that want to take over your brain cycles. And so we've got to learn the lessons. If these dudes are touting something about the moon and they have a fake rover on the moon, then how is it that we don't already know to turn that crap off that they're coming at our subconscious? You know, we don't have armor for that. The only armor for our subconscious we have is awareness. Get the hell out of here. Get that away from me, basically. But Jason, anything you want to add before we wrap up our one of 486 and prep back for hour two? Well, I'm curious to see what they're going to start pushing next as far as the Chinese space program, because 
they got to keep doing it, don't they? Ground control to major dumb. Yeah, it's it's getting to be childish at a level for those who have caught on that almost at times makes you embarrassed to be a part of what's going on around here. And then you remember the reality of it. We were all granted the divine spark. This is not a joke. We're all responsible for each other. We all have to value life in this place. If we don't, then what are we doing? How do we have life and act like it's special? And then we treat life badly somewhere else. Doesn't, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to where we've arrived here through the manipulation of basically, if you want to be honest about it, basically hyper materialism. What is the difference between a supposed golden age, which has been claimed by so many cultures that go back and where we are? One thing, we are engrossed 3D materiality and we can no longer see through the veil. We have lost our spiritual vision. And this is what's been leveraged on hyper-materialism, hyper-hedonism, hyper-me-me-me-me-me-ism, as is proven by the very date where the number of images in this world went from people take pictures of some things to the majority of pictures are people taking them of themselves. That was the proof in the pudding for those with access to the data that they were getting every bit of what they wanted. We'd left, we'd gone down the rabbit hole. Alice, we're looking for Alice. We're in like la-la land, man. And here we are. This year's a big deal. 23 is a big deal. And from what I'm hearing, this is all supposed to be mostly wrapped up in a neat bow by 25. So we got to stand up. We got to do what we got to do. There is no other option and evil is loose in this place. There is no other option. If you sit around, it's going to come get you. Wayne, please tell us where they can get your books, where they can contact you, that kind of thing. All right, man. Much appreciated. Once again, I always appreciate being here with you guys. Uh, if people are looking for me, I can be found over on Rockfin. That's R-O-K-F-I-N.com backslash Wayne McCroy. Uh, the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And anywhere else you get podcasts, my books are available either on Amazon or pretty much in on any other book retailer now. And I just released my new book. That one is called Autism AI and the Singularity. That one is now available. Just released that about a week and a half ago. So if people would be interested in picking that up, it would be much appreciated. And also Rose and I are now doing a new version of the Poppycock Report over on my Rockfin channel as well. So check that out over there. Uh, much appreciated once again, gentlemen. All right. Uh, that's going to be it, Wayne. I trust you'll get your links into the top comment when we go live at about 9 a.m. on the morning that this episode goes out. With that, I'll bring hour one of episode, <clears throat> excuse me, episode 486 to a close. We're going to take a short break. Hour one is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is C-R-R. OW777radio.com. Members know to log in and members get free access to two-hour movie Shoot the Moon that covers all my scope work. With that, I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. And I hope to see you over on the website for hour two. There it is, man. Cheers.